Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. Yes, this is Andy Jacobs on the house party. We can't link Andy up to the studio, so he will sound like small man in a box. But Andy, what did we like in the podcast or for the podcast today from the show? Well, we had a, we had a good chat. I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed learning about a guy called Harry Clasper, yeah. a man who's influenced in the world of rowing completely for me. I didn't know anything about it at all. I found that very interesting. Michelle Ruse, big Manchester United fan, he came on, he talked about the problems that uh, restaurants are having with reopening, so that was interesting. Uh, we had various chats, uh, so I think that's, that's about it, really. I yeah. Marvellous. Yeah, okay. And Striker, yes. Okay, here it all is. <laughs> good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Uh, good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, well played Southampton last night. Did Chelsea a right turn there? No yeah. question about it. And uh, what a job he's done, old uh, Ralph Hassenhutl. Hassenhutl. Tremendous, really. <laughs> you so, don't know uh, your Hootel from your Hassenhutl, do you, at the moment? No, I can't, yeah. But I should start, really, with uh, yesterday's uh, decision on the City case. It was a real setback, actually, for UEFA's head of investigation, Eve Letterme. He's uh, going to have to go back to being a Robbie Williams impersonator. <laughs> Yes, let me entertain you. Oh, that's okay, that's one. good. <laughs> Thank I knew his much. brother, David <laughs> Letterme. I loved his show. He's <laughs> yeah. top ten. Oh, yeah, terrific, wasn't it? Yeah. And a disappointing decision from the government for fans of Newcastle and 5G. Away the lads. Topical one there. I thought I'd get yeah. that in. And uh, Washington have, have dropped that. It's a good thing, this really. They decided after many, many years to drop the Redskins' name. Yeah. Uh, it would have been better if they'd done it uh, without the sponsors putting a load of pressure on them. But uh, listening to Jim earlier, good chat about it actually and um, it's interesting I, there's lots of suggestions of what they might go with but I'd go with the governors that's not bad is it the Washington governors that's what they do. the Washington presidents it's not bad is it or what about the Washington Trumpers how do you, how, how do you feel they might go <laughs> 
I think they're thinking about um, Warriors. That's that's the plan, isn't it? I think they're, they're looking to go with that. No, I think I think maybe Red Wolves, who are a, a force, I believe, of black soldiers, black American soldiers. So they're thinking of that as well. So okay. yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Whatever they choose, there'll be people who don't like it, and people who do like it. But that's you know that is kind of the way it goes, really. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the results this weekend have been amazing, haven't they? I mean, they're, they're going to be. They're, you always get this at the end of the season. Some very oh, you got teams down the bottom will beat teams at the top and you know various so i mean the fact when chelsea lost that game three nil you thought well that's it they're really done now the leicester go and lose to bournemouth who would have thought that yeah southampton nick a point off united more slightly more predictable because southampton they played like that at the bridge and when they did us two nil they're a very very good team so you know there are some excellent teams it's consistency but there are some excellent teams in the premier league no question and uh, I think I did find my my wiki page has been updated by someone to reflect my table tennis, our table tennis exploits. Oh, it excellent. says that I was an Olympic table tennis player at Barcelona <laughs> 1992, where I met my wife, Sue, who was a fellow competitor. <laughs> It's ridiculous, isn't it? The trouble is, people, I read Wikipedia and believe it. So other people are going to read this. I'm also age 73. I'm sick of that. That drives me <laughs> potty. And, and then you should never, I know this, you should never Google yourself. It's always a massive error to oh. do this. But people do, you know, you, you Google other people to see what they're like and you believe it. Uh, according to this, I, they, there's even my net worth. I mean, how would they know that? I don't even know my own net worth. Apparently, I'm worth $400,000. I, I don't know what they based that, that right? on, but yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> is that cash? I'd be quite happy if it is. <laughs> you got it, in the, you got it under the bed in a shoebox. <laughs> yeah, I have. Now, I want to ask the honestly, listeners a question this afternoon, Andy, and uh, get them involved mm. in something. Because you probably would have seen that 142 people have applied for Phil Neville's job as the England women's coach. It's been announced. Yeah. And around half of them are viable people that would have a fighting chance of doing <laughs> okay. the job. Which means some people that currently run maybe an under-12 girls team who want to make a step up, uh, or or whoever, somebody who's in Sunday mm. football has thought, well, it's worth a punt, probably rather insultingly thinking, well, I've done under-12 so I could do the England women's job. So they're being chucked straight in the bin. But there will be some, <laughs> there will be some people there that um, have just had a punt. There may be they, those people that say, oh, I'm, I'm very good at championship manager and I took um, Peterborough to the Champions League final. Yeah. Well, uh, we know we know who will be. Raj Tumbor, our old yeah. listener, used to always apply for loads of managerial jobs. It's the buzz uh, of getting... As far as I know, he never got one. Well, he didn't. But it's that buzz of getting the letter back. <laughs> he applied for about 150 jobs in football. But that buzz of getting a letter back from a club with this sort of headed Crystal Palace or Derby <laughs> County or Liverpool notepaper yeah. saying, thank you very much for your interest. Most of the time he just got a bog standard letter the position has been filled but often he would get quite detailed letters back from the club so it became a buzz and he did have this folder because he came and saw us years ago for about 150 <laughs> plus god knows how many he's applied for now so have you ever applied for a job not not just in football but have you ever applied for a job that you had absolutely no chance of getting that there wasn't why? Why, as Big Alan would say, did you bother? But people do. It's just that that, that kind of mm. little buzz, uh, isn't it? So, um, Bob yeah. in Arbro says the four hundred thousand dollars. The artwork must be selling well. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
This may or may not be a coincidence, but um, Andy has just told me that he's had a message from uh, Monica on VIP Match. Seconds after he apparently <laughs> reveals that he's seen online he's worth $400,000, Monica from VIP Match has reached out to him. Um, she, wants yes. to, she wants to meet up. This is the old gold diggers. It didn't take him long, did it, Andy? What, what, is no, Monica, what do you know they- about Monica? I don't know a lot about it. She says, daily drag in my relationship is causing a big strain. I'm looking for some more excitement in life. Quick, message me. I'm not sure that would be a good idea, really. Massage me or message me? What does she say? <laughs> no message. Oh, okay. She says she's warm and kind. Is she? And uh, she does everything with enthusiasm. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and I'm positive, and I'm positive about almost everything. Okay. Well, you're definitely not suited to me, really. I can't yeah. think of a worse match. I can't think of a person who's less enthusiastic <laughs> in the whole world. Uh, we asked you earlier on, off the back of the 142 applications for the England Women's Post, of which it seems from the people in charge about 50% of them were viable. There were a few in there that probably had no chance of getting the job at all. And we wondered whether you'd ever applied for a job that you really had no chance of getting, just for a bit of a punt. And sure enough, uh, being TalkSport listeners, you have. Uh, I applied for a job at Bournemouth to be the groundsman, says uh, Jord from Bournemouth. Uh, I've never even owned a lawnmower. In fact, I don't even have a lawn. I'm a support worker with no experience whatsoever in that field, which he's put in in uh, speech marks, which I'm guessing he, he probably put that in the application, which may have put them off. Um, needless to say, I didn't get it. I think we're going to get quite a lot of needless to say I didn't get it. This is a good one from uh, Yorkie down south. I once applied for the role of the CEO of New Zealand TV. I just graduated and needed work. Well, that, you know, ain't reach for the stars, as S Club 7 once said. Plus, it was designed to upset my girlfriend, who was going travelling to the US without me. Got a letter from them, nothing else. Well, at least they wrote back, uh, Yorkie down south. And um, this comes from Kevin in Cardiff. Uh, I applied to, the ne- to be the next host of the National Lottery TV show on the BBC when Anthea Turner announced she was leaving. It was my A-level huh. English coursework. I got a nice letter back, but lost out to Bob Monkhouse. <laughs> so, well, you know, I don't, <laughs> don't take that too personally because Bob, Bob was a genius, of course. So uh, keep them coming. Then. What about Andy Smart? You see this one from Andy Smart. I was Andy Smart. said, at the age of 16... Yeah, he said, at the age of 16, I heard Frank Oz was leaving the Muppets. <laughs> I wrote to Jim Henson offering my services. I did a good Miss Piggy, but uh, I still have a lovely rejection letter somewhere. Of course, going back to my Wikipedia, at one point it said that my dad had invented the Muppets, which would make Jim Henson my dad, but he wasn't. Yeah, rather worryingly, uh, Stu Brumhill says, that 400,000 quid for Andy, is that dead or alive? It's not a wanted poster, <laughs> Stu. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. If you're not a, a native of the Northeast, and even if you are, uh, prepare to hear a story. That, uh, that it may be uh, new to your ears. It certainly was to us. Uh, the name Harry Clasper. Uh, he is the man that uh, invented, effectively, the modern sport of rowing. Uh, earlier this week was 150th anniversary uh, of his death. He was a man who had a huge impact on, uh, on uh, Newcastle. And uh, a song kind of written uh, with him in mind is, is very much the Geordie anthem, the Bladen Races. Here to tell us more, is uh, a man we last caught up with when uh, they were touring the the play he wrote uh, about Glenn McCrory and his relationship with his brother, uh, Carrie and David. Ed Wall's back. Good afternoon, Ed. Hi, Paul. You all right? Yeah, we're good. Hi, Andy, as well, you know. Good to see you. Yeah. Sorry, I wish I could see you. If only we could see you. uh, Yeah. So, look, tell us more. I mean, because a lot of people won't know the Harry Clasper story and they won't know anything about this. So tell us more about his, his story. 
Well, Harry Clasper, um, he, he died uh, 150 years ago, Sunday just gone, and his funeral would have been effectively 150 years ago this Friday. And they reckon 130,000 people lined the route from his pub on the, on the banks of the Tyne and moved along the eight miles to a place called Bladen and then up the hill to Wickham, uh, where Harry was buried. And that's eight miles, and it, it traversed the River Tyne. And it, the reckon so many people wanted to pay their respects that uh, it took 12 hours. Now, bearing in mind it left his pub at about half past two in the afternoon, they would have still been burying him at, 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 in the early hours of the morning, you know? Oh. Uh, and that's, that was just how popular Harry Clasper was, because rowing was the sport of the working class before football came oh, along. Never knew that. Well, it yeah, was because new I was... to me. I mean, uh, the guy, um, a, a good friend now, David Clasper, who was Harry's great-great-nephew and whose great-great-grandfather was the, the coxswain of the first major race in 1845, where Harry and his brothers uh, came up to the came to the Thames and won their very first world championship, uh, one of the, the first of eight. Um, uh, he's done 55 years of research, and, and and when he was telling me this story, I was absolutely captivated, and I thought, oh, I've got to write a play about this, you know. And, and so anyway, we did that. Um, but 130,000 people. I mean, um, Jackie, unfortunately, Jackie Charlton. Uh, died last week, you know, and he's a fantastic Geordie hero. But as, and as much as we love Jackie, you know, Jackie's not going to get uh, as near as 130,000 people paying their respects. But just on that point, you know, at the time, Newcastle, the city of Newcastle, only had a population of about 80,000. Wow. So there was people coming from all over the northeast and nationally and internationally to pay their respects to Harry Clasper. Amazing. Because, you know, if you, I was going to say, if you think of the sport of rowing, you think of Henley Regatta and the yeah. boat race, it's quite a posh sport. So you, the idea that the bloke who influenced and pioneered outriggers and changed the way boats were designed would be a working class fellow like this, you wouldn't expect it. Well, Harry was a minor. Uh, he was actually involved in the 1831 strike, you know, against the, the bond uh, before he became a professional uh, and, and David Clasper reckons Harry in his early years was illiterate as well. So you've got this guy who is just an absolute natural, you know. Uh, because don't forget in the 18, uh, 1840s, 1850s was the time of the Industrial Revolution. And along the rivers, especially the Thames, I mean, the Thames was the greatest river, it still is. Mm. Um, and, but the Tyne um, was second in comparison to the volume of traffic. And on the rivers, especially on the Tyne, you had rowers who, um, well, rowers, you know, the clinger boats, etc., who, who were the guys who carried the, who carried the coal, etc. And you also had um, a development along the river. So, so each of the rivers, every river during the Industrial Revolution, because of civic pride, threw up their own heroes. And obviously on the, on the Thames, you had some fantastic rowers. You know, there were brilliant rowers. Um, but, but on the Tyne, Harry and his brother came to, brothers came to prominence, and they practiced and they practiced, and Harry redesigned the boats because there were huge clinker boats, big boats initially, which you couldn't control. But you know the design that you see now on boats with the uh, outriggers where the, the, the um, oars 
slip on the outside, yeah. and they're, they're very, very thin boats, not weighing a lot of, not weighing a lot because you know it shows to glide through the water. Well, Harry designed those. It's amazing, isn't it? And just before I let you go, you've got you've got a book coming out because your play Hadaway Harry you mentioned about uh, Clasper yeah. is uh, it has toured in the past. Uh, are we hopefully going to tour with it again as well. Yeah, it was it was due to come. It was due to tour in June. It was coming to London again, the London Rowing Club, which was a is a, a major um, obviously rowing club on the Thames, mm. you know, Putney. Uh, and it played there for three nights a few years ago, and it, it completely sold out before transferring to Newcastle's 1200-seat Theatre Royal, where it sold out. But it was due to come out again in June, but it's coming out next year. So, we, you know, we will be seeing people uh, next year uh, when it comes out. And also I've got a book of players in, in which uh, Harry Clasper, uh, Hadaway Harry is included. I mean, I get emails from uh, the last week alone, America and Canada asking about Harry Clasper. It's oh. incredible. It's Absolutely a incredible. Great story, Ed. Uh, look, come and see us. Uh, thanks, we'll Ed. Well, we'll, we'll see you in the studio next. Again, and thanks for inviting me on. No problem. Cheers, Ed. All the best. Pleasure. There we are, Ed War there. And, uh, yeah, Blade and Races was first sung uh, apparently written and performed by Geordie uh, Ridley, mm. Harry Clasper's testimonial in June 1862. And uh, it's now, of course, the unofficial anthem of the Geordie yeah, Nation. Yeah, Who knew yeah. that? Yeah. Didn't know his When he was story talking about Harry, Harry's boat design, I was dying to shout out Rollocks, but I thought not. No, good, good idea. Good, good idea. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. You've been telling us about jobs that you applied for that you had absolutely no chance of getting. And Howard says, I was running a pub in Western Supermare and applied for the Cabinet House Manager, 10 Downing Street. Got an interview, but somehow didn't get the job. I was, you did well to get an interview, really. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you could obviously organise that in a brewery. So uh, there we are. 
Years ago, when drunk, says Stephen, I applied uh, to MI6 <laughs> to be a spy. They <laughs> they sent an application pack, but my surname was spelled wrong on the envelope. I thought that's great. They've already given me a code name. So uh, thank you, thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, Talksport.com, text eight ten eighty nine, tweet T S H and J, and keep those coming this afternoon. We'll be uh, <clears throat> speaking to Nick Holt uh, this week about a book that he's written with Steve James on the great triumph of England's uh, one-day International World Cup win last summer. And uh, they've been serialising it in the paper. And something came out this morning. This is amazing. You would never imagine this would happen. Between the end of the match and the Super Over, remember England drew, of course, it was a tie, and then there was a Super Over. There's not that much time between there. But in between that time, Ben Stokes had time to have a shower and a fag, a cigarette, between the match really it's incredible that isn't it yeah, yeah wow. he said he was just you know i'm the shower i get cigarette not so sure but uh there you go so, so i think more interesting stuff from that book on on thursday uh there was a letter to the sun this is odd this because i know what the bloke meant but it's amazing that he make a mistake like this he's talking about the passing of the great jack charlton and saying that like we all do that a lot of the all of them should have been honoured and all of them should have got something, I think, out of it. And uh, he makes the point that, uh, you know, he says, even Captain Alan Ball, who was man of the match in that historic final, didn't get a knighthood. And he was the greatest England skipper of all time in any sport. You think, well, I know you mean Bobby Moore. Surely, how did that get, how did he get it wrong? And how did they not see that? It's amazing, isn't it, that a mistake like that would be made. And we all know he meant Bobby Moore, obviously. Yeah. Um, what else have we got here? Oh, yes, Sir Alex Ferguson. You see that picture of him? He was also, like Bill Turnbull, not at Wembley, but was a privileged position to be able to go to Old Trafford. And why not? Of course, he's more than earned that. And he was wearing a mask, but he's like so many people. Mm. He hasn't quite mastered the, the... It's just over his mouth. You think, there's no point. If you're going to do that, Sir Alex, you might as well not wear it. <laughs> you know, he may have just pulled it down momentarily. I mean, well, some people can be caught in the moment and then they... You know, yes, I know. It wasn't, wasn't over his nose. Um, the... the Tattoo uh, parlours opened yesterday, didn't they? Uh, mm, tattoo studio. Yeah. They used to be parlours. When did they stop being parlours and become studios? <laughs> it's bad. It was a parlour. It wasn't parlour-like uh, surroundings, but they were. But yeah. anyway, um, and Ray Parlour hasn't changed his name to Ray Studio. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Studio sounds like a great punk name, <laughs> wouldn't it? Be? So you know, one, two, three, four. He would have been in a band called it. Ray Parlor would have changed his name to Ray Studio if he was playing in a punk band about 1978. But um, yeah, why not? But I would have thought yesterday there was a lot of people going in having Liverpool champions tattoos. When you they've been their first chance. I bet tattooists mm. all over the country are sick of writing the word Liverpool. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes, very true. It, it would have definitely been a big day for Liverpool <laughs> champions tattoos, almost certainly. And uh, do you see a hearse driver uh, was given a ticket after being caught speeding. The black funeral car, because you can't say hearse twice, can you, in a report, was spotted doing 69 miles per hour down a 50-mile-an-hour road. But, I mean, speeding in a hearse is... It's bound to attract attention. It's not a great idea, is it? <laughs> I think it does. It does seem quite odd. They weren't, they weren't on the way to a funeral, were they? This was it was off. It was oh, off yeah. duty. Yeah, Again, flowers no, no, there was flying no, off everywhere. There was nobody on. No one on board. Yeah, so, so. that's <laughs> good. Funeral um, trait. We haven't talked around the big VAR uh, issue from last night. The uh, oh, yes. Oriel Romeo 
uh, challenge on Mason Greenwood. How in the yep. wide, wide world of sports did no one... I mean, OK, you, you can cut the referee a bit of slack, but seriously, another look at that from two or three angles and you don't feel that that's worthy of anything. I mean, not worth, I mean, that was an appalling tackle. I'd certainly get him to look at the VAR. Get, yeah. him to, get, the, get him to look at the screen, rather, you know, and... Uh, I think if he'd looked at the screen, then he would have sent him off. You know, he was lucky, Romeo, definitely. Uh, I mean, Matt Letizier made some points about the fact that he was slightly slowing up. But I think Gary Neville said, you know, we us pros know that's a red card. I yeah, think he probably and, was. And, you know, I mean, Tent is not part of the deal. We saw that one where the Bamiang was sent off and he did it. It was a very similar challenge. He went flying in on someone's ankle and bent the ankle. Mm. You know, Bamiang's not Ron Harris, is he? It's not his game, but in the heat of the moment, <laughs> you're out of control, you're endangering another opponent. That's a red card. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, we talked yesterday about Andy Robinson and being caught saying some fairly unpleasant stuff uh, on, on the microphone to the referee. And I said to you, that won't go down well because it's bad PR. It's bad PR for the player and his sponsors mm. and it's bad PR for the club and it doesn't look great for footballers generally. And he, he has apologised. He said, I've listened back and it sounds ugly. He said, he get called up in the heat at the moment and even he's admitted that it doesn't yeah. sound great. But he was talking about VAR and he said, I believe referees are relying on VAR but then VAR isn't overturning any decisions. The fact we have 10 cameras and 40 different angles, I believe the decisions should be right. Well, you're never going to get right 100% of the time but you no, know what he means he's got a point is not he but we said right from the word go when we found out that refs were going to be VARs against their current refs we said this is bound to be a problem they're not going to want to go against them and this is exactly what it's transpired to be it wasn't you didn't need to be a brain brain surgeon you need to sort of work it out that this was going to happen they should have thought this through really and if they'd used older refs or a mixture of older refs and pros and trained people up specifically that didn't have a vested interest in it you know you have this situation where thursday oliver doesn't want to saw off uh, tierney and then on, on sunday it's tierney doesn't want to saw off oliver you, you, you just can't have that situation it's not healthy no. No. So not that the referees are doing it deliberately or they're doing anything wrong. It, they're just being put in the wrong position. It's it, it's the wrong way around. And the think, get really, out, but. the get out they've got every time is the fact that it's a judgment call. It's oh, was that clear and obvious enough to overturn John's decision there? Oh, I'm not sure it was. It, it's too easy to to do nothing. And and you know as we saw yesterday, that isn't right. Anyway, striker. Uh, let's bring you striker. Oh, good. Steve yes. Bruce's murder mystery. We'll uh, pick up where we left off yesterday. The uh, Lettersford Town manager, Steve Barnes. This is episode 75, by the way. Uh, Lettersford Town manager. <laughs> thank you, Dance. Uh, Ian Danter has brought this to life, as uh, Steve yeah. Bruce. But Lettersford Town manager, Steve Barnes, is talking to the owner, Sir Lawrence, and has just reminded yeah. him... We're not paying him by the episode, are we, by any chance? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'll ask the producer. And uh, okay. he's getting a grand an episode, but he's going to have as much money as you soon. Uh, and he's just reminded him of his plans to let assistant manager Eddie Carberry go at the end of the week. Meanwhile, Steve is revelling in the fact that he's not on the front page of the local paper for once because taking his place is an unknown individual who's stolen weapons from the local armoury. Would you know who your local armoury is, Andy? Where is it? No, I wouldn't say. Oh, I wouldn't really. have a clue. Anyway, I don't think we've got an armoury in Cheswick, to be really fair. <laughs> Probably not, no, no. Anyway, uh, let's uh, head back then to uh, Leddersford. Carberry's done well to survive as long as he has. He can go back to playing at soldiers. Soldiers? I asked. Yeah, he's a sergeant in the army. I was puzzled. How could this be? The Territorial Army, Sir Lawrence said. Weekend soldiers. They still exist, you know. Not my cup of tea, I replied. 
I never have any free weekends. I returned to my office. Martin Thornton was in the corridor outside. Gaffer! I'll see you with the squad, I said. Two minutes, please, Gaffer. So I ushered him inside the office. He apologised for being rough with Michelle. I told him not to worry as I'd already forgotten the incident. There's one thing you should know, Gaffer. Please, Martin, concentrate on the game. Michelle's father. You mean the father of her child? No, her father. It's... I shut him up there and then. I shouted loudly. I don't want to know. Do you hear me? I don't bloody want to know. He turned on his heel and stalked out. He was an angry young man. If he could channel that anger and aggression against Fulton in a couple of hours, then we'd be in with a good chance. As for who was father of whom, who was related to whom, I simply didn't, at this stage, want to know. It would, as it turned out, have been easier if I had known. Forty minutes before kickoff, I went to the dressing room to talk to the squad. Among them was Jimmy Lawson. He was changing, just like the rest of them. I was amazed at his optimism. Did he really think he might be a last-minute substitute? It doesn't work like that. Subs have to be named. I tried to be brief and to the point. This was a crucial game. It had been a tough week for everyone connected with the club, and the best way to tackle things was to go out and win. Three points for the club, three points for Pat Duffy. There we are. Um, a few things to... I can't believe it. What's that, 75 Andy? episodes, they haven't even played a match yet. <laughs> They're not it's coming thick and fast like they are at the moment. First Steve off... Steve had to shout there, though, he, like, like he does in that shouty Steve interview style yeah. now with the distancing interviewing. So bit, well done bit, to Dan for that. Bit of swearing. Also, it would be very difficult for Steve to join the Territorial Army and be a weekend soldier, as he said, when <laughs> he's a football manager, wouldn't he? And it's nice <laughs> to hear someone turn on their heel. As opposed uh, to the two. Paid by the word, Dent says, apparently. He has been, yeah. Marvellous. So anyway, we'll, we'll keep them coming. They can't be long now. There's probably only a, a, a few left. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Tough time in the restaurant business uh, at the moment. Some comments from uh, Tom Carriage yesterday about uh, no-shows yep. to his uh, restaurant. 27 people. Piers Morgan said the same thing. 23 people booked at his local Italian and didn't turn up. And I think it's really, really poor because I think what's happening here is that people are booking in the idea, oh, we're going to support restaurants. Restaurants need supporting. And then they're chickening out but not having the guts to ring the restaurant and say, we're not coming. And it's so unfair. It's absolutely the worst thing that could happen for the restaurant, I would have said. But yeah. I'm not next, I'm not a pro. But I'd imagine they're not happy about it. Well, here talking about that and a bit of uh, Manchester United uh, is chef and restaurateur Michel Rue Jr. Good afternoon, Michel. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good to speak to you. Good to talk to you. I mean, have you, have you suffered a, a similar situation to uh, Tom in, in the last week or so? Well, thank, thankfully not. We've we just, just reopened last week, and I think in total we had three tables, no show, which is, which is painful enough when you think that normally, I've, you know, I fill my restaurant up with 78 people, and now what with social distancing and all the measures we've taken... Uh, to stay safe, I can only get 48 people in. So just imagine if, if, I, if you know, if you lose 27 covers more, I mean, that's it. What's the point of opening? So it, it, like you said earlier, it's, it's just bad form. It's downright rude and a lack of respect, isn't it? I mean, it's terrible. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's selfish, you know, not to be able to... You know, look, it's not easy sometimes to ring up and say, look, we can't make it, or it's, it's a bit of a hassle. But it's so much fairer 
on the restaurant. And uh, anyway, we'll have to hope that it doesn't happen. But it's good that yours hasn't happened. What, what was it like getting back into the swing of cooking for people again? It must you must have oh, sort of kind no. of got out the habit. <laughs> I, I don't know about going out of the habit. It's a bit like riding a bike, I suppose. But, I but suppose the, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been cooking at home just for myself and my wife for the last three months. And it's actually nice to get into a professional kitchen and, and, and do what I just love doing. And not just me, but, but the whole team, you know, I mean, they, they, which, is, which is lovely. And it's great that they're all back and we're all, you know, firing on, on all cylinders. So we've, we've got all the, the protocols in place and the safety, 153 pages of of risk assessments ticked wow. off and everything, you know, all of that. But, but no, we're really, you know, really just great to be back uh, and doing what we love doing. An issue for all, all kind of central London restaurants and central city restaurants is that, of course, you we often rely on the theatres, especially in London. And mm. as they're all dark at the moment, that must be affecting trade for everybody. Yeah, it does. I mean, central London is still pretty much a ghost town. Mm. And um, without being too political, there's not much being done uh, from our dear mayor to uh, to sort of help London get back on its feet. I mean, even the congestion charge now is, is mm. until 10 o'clock in the evening and Saturday and Sunday. So those that want to just saunter around on a Saturday or Sunday having to pay 15 quid, you know, so I think there's a lot that lot to be said, um, you know, to sort of help businesses and and by that i mean not just the big shops on oxford street but also little independents and there are loads of them um you know in in the west end and in central london so yeah it's it's not going to be easy it's going to take a while but you know I, i'm i'm confident and i'm always you know, i'm a very optimistic person and i think you know we've, we've got to we've got to make it work we're being asked to uh, wear masks from next week in shops, but mm. of course that's not really practical in a restaurant because how do you eat? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it, I suppose it's just one of those things. People just have to, you know, what can you do? You can't, can you? Well, well that's, that's true. Um, but um, we, as I said, we, wrote, we reopened the restaurant last week and my front of house do wear a mask. Um, and I've noticed that some restaurants at the front of house, the waiters and the barmen are not wearing a mask. Now, you know, I... I I still haven't found out exactly if um, if this is now going to be law that um, you know servers, your waiters, your barmen are going to have to wear a mask. But it, I kind of think they they're going to have to. So you know, but it just it's just something that you've got to get used to. And, and obviously, the diners once they're sat down can take their masks off and enjoy the food. Um, now on to Manchester United, your club, and uh, seem to be mm. uh, heading for a two-one victory. But as, as Ole said, you know you've benefited from enough late winners as a club over oh, yeah. the years, so it can, you can be on the receiving end. But it was a bit of a blow, wasn't it? It was all heading in the right direction, but still outside the top four, uh, albeit on goal difference. But it's so tight, isn't it, for those Champions League places? Yeah, it's very tight, as you said. But it, you know the writing was on the wall yesterday. I mean, it, it, it was. It, it was a draw all over, wasn't it? Mm. And, uh, and and to be fair, I mean, you know, Oli won it for us, didn't he? And in the 96th minute, <laughs> back in Barcelona, so I don't think you can complain too much. I mean, it's a, that was classic Fergie time, wasn't it? But top four is going to is 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 going to be it's going to be difficult, isn't it? But it's but I think it's in United's hands. Um, it would have been easier if they'd have won it yesterday, but I, I still think I still think it's achievable and doable. And of course, the noisy neighbours now have got <laughs> got a free pass. Whatever way you look at it, you know, the jammy, 
Jamie Bond. No, sorry, Jamie, Jamie so and so. Good recovery. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's true. I mean, the interesting thing about the the whole because it probably between Manchester United, Leicester, and Chelsea for third and fourth. Others could come in if the, if the results go that way. But Manchester United play Leicester, which is a good for Chelsea, but also good for, in a way for those two teams because whoever wins that is probably going to be the one that ends up in the top four. Yeah, I think so. So, so I think it's only just, isn't it? It's sort of like a like a final, you know, it's the final game, and uh, and it will be the one. The winners will get top four for sure, um, unless unless you know, Chelsea slips off. And I can't see that happening now. I don't. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's just adding a little bit of excitement at the end of the season, which is great. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, Michelle, good to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, best of luck with the restaurant, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Cheers, guys. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Andy, they're trying to get people back uh, into racing. Did you see that today? Glorious Goodwood could have some fans there. Uh, they're hoping. But uh, only people yeah, they well. trust. Socially distanced test crowd they're talking about for Goodwood. If you're a member of the Goodwood Horse Racing Club. So, but that's all. It's all positive stuff, isn't it? It's starting to get well, people. You've got back to start in. somewhere, haven't you? And they could drive there, which is, means they're in their own environment. And then, if they social distance while they're there and wear masks in a close area, I, I don't see the problem. I, we, we do have to get back, don't we? We have to somehow. I, I thought it was a very interesting chat we had yesterday with the chap about getting people back into the stadiums. It, it is important. Of course, it's going to be hard for the clubs to decide who it is. It'll have to be done fairly. But yeah. Uh, about you, I can't wait to go and see a game. Really, I'd love to go and see a game. Watching some of the old big matches in lockdown, I, I was always kind of looking into the crowd because I remember as a kid standing uh, by the corner flag a, a few times in in the Paxton Road or just on that corner of the what was the kids' enclosure and the lower part, which is now the West Stand. So I've often looked out for myself looking for some. Herbert with long blonde hair in a snorkel parker. Um, oh, yeah. But I never saw myself. And the reason I was reminded of that was that uh, this was from Grandad Tony Lister, was amazed when he spotted himself as a cheering five-year-old. Oh, in yes. A grainy old TV news clip. He was filmed with his family among jubilant crowds celebrating VE Day 75 years ago. And it must be a bit of a shock to the system to see your, kind of the, your childhood self in, in a bit of old newsreel or something like that. So I'll keep mm, looking out for those old big matches. I was watching some cricket from in lockdown from 1972, and I know I was in the crowd that day at Lords. Yeah, and I did search for myself, but I couldn't see myself. But I did see myself on Match of the Day, but it wasn't that long ago. It was in 2000. It was from the 2007 Cup final. They showed that particular goal. Drog was winning goal against Manchester United, and I spotted myself and was managed to sort of freeze it on screen. Very really? short, but it was me. Yeah, somewhere out there so, is a bit of footage of um, and Chelsea's Alan Hudson um, hit me in the face of the ball because that was the only time. <laughs> That was the only time it ever happened to me when uh, Tottenham played Chelsea in an um, League Cup semi-final the year you went to Wembley and lost to Stoke, uh, Andy. You remember that? 72? Oh, yeah. yeah, of course it, it is. 72, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so there I was in the enclosure and Alan Hudson cleared the ball. And, uh, yeah, I had the snorkel parker. And so I saw the balls, I've said, coming towards me. A bit like the ball, like Indiana Jones, with a ball rolling towards you and do nothing about it. <laughs> Full square in the face. What a joy that oh, was dear. at my age. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, what can you do? Mm. So, uh, anything else you want to share with the class, Andy? Uh, yes. A farmer has said that uh, using human we, if you'll pardon the expression, is better than uh, artificial fertilisers for keeping crops 
safe from insects. Yeah. It's a, it's a marvellous product. It keeps the foxes away. I've, I've told that to you As you've discovered, and I, I, you and your wife used to uh, uh, concoct a heady cocktail of, 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 <laughs> of, well, literally, and then the, it would keep the foxes away, That your magic mix. Yeah. yeah. It does work, that. And, uh, and I, I think it keeps to, people away as well, doesn't it, really? I mean, in your, <laughs> you don't throw out the window of your flat, do you? I mean, is that... that... <laughs> And Gandhi and Sarah, uh, Sarah Mars, the actress, used to drink their own, which, you know, seems apparently is... I'm not recommending it, but... That's, I wonder where you're going with that. Gandhi. It's always great to hear on a national sports radio station in the midst... Gandhi and Sarah Miles. In the midst of wall-to-wall Premier League football, you're doing a couple of minutes on Gandhi and Sarah Miles. The story, I mean, well, you know, I've always loved the Sarah Miles uh, story. She, she did famously oh, yeah. drink her own. Um, yeah. And uh, there was there was a story. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but she was making Ryan's daughter the film with Robert Mitchum. As you've mm. taken me down this particular route, <laughs> and yeah. um, he invited her apparently, um, her and a couple of other people to dinner. Yeah, because she'd said to him, I don't know how the conversation. You're sitting there, a couple of directors' <laughs> chairs. John Mills is doing his thing, and uh, yeah. and she suddenly says, "Here, Bob, something you might not know about me." I drink my own wee, and he said, "Oh, okay, fair enough." And he just—he's banked. He's banked that. He's banked that for some reason because she couldn't come. She phoned up late and said, "Bob can't come to your dinner tonight." And they're making the film in Ireland. I can't, can't come to your dinner tonight. I do apologise. And he said, oh, "Okay, fair enough. I understand." Following day, he was chatting to the press, and he said, "I'm loving being here in Ireland." And uh, it's fantastic. What a cast! What a film this is. Oh, by the way, that's Sarah Miles. She drinks her own wee. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Bob. There's no need for that. No need for that. She drinks her own. Wet. That's what the song. That's what they would yeah. have sung to her if she'd gone to a football match. But <laughs> she's unlikely. Anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd bring. I pass it on in good Alan faith. Alan Brazil should do this. He should do it. Save what? him a fortune at the pub. Drink his, drink his own. <laughs> Fantastic. Be like recycling. It would be. It would be yeah. Look, we'll move on. If in case you're having a late lunch, we do apologise. But Andy brought up Sarah Miles and Gandhi. Well, Sorry. Sounds like a vent act, doesn't it? Sarah Miles and Gandhy. I'm quite fascinated because I would be about uh, Brooklyn Beckham's engagement. Uh, the, Are you really? So many questions for me. It's, really? It's very young to get engaged. Don't you think of this age, this day and age? I mean, I got married at 21 and almost 22. I was about 20 days or three weeks away from my 22nd birthday. Wow. But that was very young in those days. You know, now kids don't get think of getting married till they're about late 20s, 30s, you know. But it's surprising, really. And, uh, I mean... Uh, as far as I can see, I don't know. He's a fledgling photographer, isn't he? I don't know. But he, he got his uh, girlfriend, his fiance, a two hundred and fifty grand engagement ring. That's quite expensive, really. So there you Blimey, go. Yeah. And uh, must I know. be a lot. He must be doing a lot of weddings recently. <laughs> <laughs> Those christenings, they pay out big time, don't they? They do, don't yeah. they? And wow. uh, and a billionaire father-in-law, which is always quite handy, really. Yeah. And, uh, who uh, does he does enjoy raising money for Donald Trump? It's all tremendous, really. So, anyway, it's all grist to the uh, newspapers mill, and uh, I'm sure we'll read a lot about it. In you the expecting to come. an invite, Andy, or not? Absolutely not. I can't. I think I'm I'm the last person they invite. <laughs> Apart well, from Morgan. As I'm distant family, I'm, ex- I'm expecting I'm expecting the evening. I don't expect to come oh, yeah. during the day, but I'm expecting it's someone who yeah. may have been related to him about 300 years ago. I'm expecting the evening. I don't know what the cutoff is. It won't be a pay bar, I promise you that. Me and Len Goodman just turning up for the Eldridge clan saying, come on, Dave.
Well, at least give, pass a bit of cake through the window. At least you can do it. Me and Len have come all this way. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, that, that is true, by the way. But anyway, let's not dwell on it. It's uh, Hawksby and Jacobs uh, it, uh, here on top. Has Len done who do you think you are? I mean, I'm surprised it didn't come oh, yeah, up. yeah, he has, yeah. I'm surprised it didn't no, come up. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. That was this afternoon's show. We return tomorrow at one. Uh, Andy, thank you. I shall see you then. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.